day. The word says, the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? They, this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground as he heard them not. So when they continued asking, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And wouldn't you like to know what Jesus was writing in the sand? He's probably just writing, where's the guy? Because the law, the law says both of them are stoned, right? Can't just bring one. You got to bring them both according to Moses' law as they were trying to get them. Uh, and so they, when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself he, and saw none, of the, none but the woman, he said unto her, Women, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Because he needed two witnesses, according to the law of Moses, if we're sticking with the Pharisees. So there's no more witnesses. She said unto him, No, man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go. And sin no more. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the words and wisdom of Jesus? Amen. I want to preach to you today from this title, Repurposed. Repurposed. You may be seated today. Amen. Thanks to the uh, advent of social media and the internet, uh, there are... Um, it's more easily accessible to see what other people are doing for good and obviously for bad. Some people just want everyone to know everything that's going on and nobody really cares all that much, honestly. Uh, but uh, what, what can really take on and, 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 and get crazy is where, go viral as they say, is uh, the repurposing of things. Where somebody takes like a broom and they make it into like a fan, ceiling fan or something. I don't know. People can do some crazy stuff out there with, with stuff that uh, was made for one thing, but somehow they get creative and they repurpose it and we're going to use it as for something else. Uh, we, we've done that in our house. Maybe you've done that in your home. Uh, we've got an old, an old big, big, huge dresser. Uh, that we actually repurposed and used it as our bathroom vanity. Uh, and so we got the regular drawers, but I mean, it wasn't meant for a bathroom vanity, but it fits and it works. Uh, and so that is uh, repurposing something, uh, taking something that used to be a uh, thing and then uh, turning it into something uh, that something new and giving new life to it. And so uh, you can get carried away with it, and that's great if you're creative. That's awesome. Uh, but uh, it's always great to see uh, things being reused and repurposed. Um, as they say, one person's junk is another person's treasure. Uh, we find these at thrift stores and all these things uh, and at our rummage sales. Uh, and so that is people are looking for uh, repurposing things and, and bringing some new life to something. And so I'm thankful for new life and new perspective on things and because sometimes things can just get dull and dreary uh, and you need a new life and a, a new jolt or a new outpouring, a new burst of, uh, of something in your life. And I'm thankful that the Holy Ghost is a part of that, that each and every day is an opportunity for God to do something in your life. Amen. He wants to repurpose you and, and train you and mold you and shape you into the man or woman that he's calling us to be. Take us from that old person and make us into somebody new. Uh, and so repurposing is nothing, not something new, even though it can, things can go viral nowadays on the Internet. It's, it's been around since man has been around. Uh, and one interesting thing that is repurposed uh, 
is um, uh, old ships and old uh, war equipment. Uh, how they repurpose that is they just throw them in the ocean. Uh, and and it, it may seem like, what is that doing? But uh, they're repurposing that, and they're building an artificial reef with things that they throw uh, into the ocean. And we have our own very uh, repurposed uh, ship down here in Fort Myers. Uh, in 2012, a 165-foot World War II uh, uh, ship was uh, purposely sunk 28 miles outside, uh, right off Sanibel. Uh, it was called. It is called the USS Mohawk, uh, and it was a a ship that was used in World War II. Uh, miraculously, it was commissioned in, in 1935, and it served uh, very well, many missions. It, it actually survived 14 attacks by German U-boats. And it rescued 300 torpedoed ships, ship survivors. Uh, and so this... Uh, this boat obviously was used during wartime, the USS Mohawk, but uh, it, at some point it came to uh, the end of its life. And as I said, in 2012, it was purposely sunk right out there outside of Sanibel to make a, an artificial reef. And it, it quickly became uh, the, this region's premier dive site where crazy people put on suits and go to the bottom of the ocean uh, to look for things. Um, I'll just look at their pictures and stay on land myself. But uh, there are people that love diving, and, and out here it has become a, one of the most popular dive sites, uh, especially since uh, it is reported that they see whale sharks out there by this uh, sunken ship. Uh, whale sharks are hanging around and giant sea turtles that uh, are visiting and frequently uh, frequenting the, the reef out there that this is now uh, made. If you showed up, put up picture number one, and so this is a picture of, of the USS Mohawk with its uh, big uh, gun, uh, big cannon on the front, and you can see some crazy persons down there, uh, and that's as close as I'm going to get to that. Uh, and so, but you can see uh, in the background, there's tons and tons of fish. Uh, and so this uh, World War II boat that was used in a war that, uh, as we know, wars are, are, are do nothing good but kill and destroy. Here, uh, this thing is repurposed now, and it is uh, a habitation for life, for bringing life to the seabed of uh, southwest Florida. And, and so artificial reefs are obviously uh, becoming more and more popular because they are seeing the benefits of such things uh, because it brings, literally brings life to an area. You can drop a, 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 an item, whether it be a, a ship or even a car or, or whatever, big block, concrete blocks, all kinds of things. You can just drop it in the middle of the ocean somewhere where there's nothing around and after a few years or so, uh, the little the, the sea life begins drawing to it, and the, the, the smaller fish use it for a, a, a place of refuge and safety. And if you want the bigger fish, you need the smaller fish. And so we, we see the, the popularity and the, the impact that artificial reefs are having throughout the world and the ocean life is that they are doing... Uh, what they are designed to do, and that is to bring new life. And some even say that artificial reefs are actually do a better job than natural reefs. Obviously, because you can just you can sink a, a, a massive ship, and immediately you've got all this shelter. Where artificial reefs take take hundreds and, and dozens of years to form, and so it takes a long time. But you go ahead and sink some uh, big ship out there, and immediately it's going to start having an impact on the ecosystem and environment. And uh, if you th throw up picture number two, we see here this is uh, a, a, a tank that was purposely sunk uh, for the same purpose, is to be uh, used as an artificial reef. 
uh, and fish begin to gather around it and, and brings uh, new life. And so it's amazing how something that is so destructive can be repurposed to give something and bring it something new life. Uh, we don't know the history of this particular tank and if it killed people or not, but we know that it is not made and manufactured to do something good. It is made to tear down and kill and destroy, uh, but here it is being repurposed to give something life. What caused death and destruction now is given new life to other things. It is given new life to, to these fish and wildlife, something that it did not do on the surface. On the surface, all it did was cause destruction and, and death and dismay. But it needed to be buried in water in order for this transformation to take place. And all of a sudden now, this thing that caused such a destruction on the surface, now underneath the water, now all of a sudden it has new life to it. It is repurposed and, and doing something for the good. I'm thankful for the hand of God that is upon each and every soul that wants to get repurposed, that once was living in sin, but now they've been back through the waters of baptism at, in, the, in, in the water of baptism now there becomes a, a repurpose of that vessel and now what once was lost in sin and doing nothing but death and destruction and hurting and causing pain and torment now once you're in the waters of baptism there becomes a transformation that takes place where now all of a sudden new life can come out of what something that used to be dead used to cause pain and hurting and destruction and that is the power of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because the Bible says it washes away all of our sins. What went into water looked one way, but underneath the water, it looks completely different. It looks like something that wasn't made like that for that purpose. All the sins and all the marks and all the stains are washed away by the blood of the Lamb and by the waters that we are buried in uh, of baptism. And so that is why it is crucial, as we talked about in this morning's Sunday school lesson about the gospel, about how being baptized is obeying the second part of the gospel, to be buried with Jesus we do that by being buried in the waters of baptism uh, because that's where the transformation begins is underneath the surface, underneath the water where God can get his, his name uh, upon it and start scrubbing away the sins and the mistakes and all the faults and the failures. I'm thankful that Jesus looks over our sins and he washes them away because you and I know what kind of man or woman we used to be. We, we know who we were. But before Jesus Christ, we know who we were before we entered the waters of baptism. But I'm thankful to be buried underneath the waters of Jesus Christ. To be called upon the name where he can wash away my old past, my history. Wash away all those bad things and say, I'm going to repurpose you. I'm going to do something new in your life. But you got to get underneath the waters first in order for that to happen. Only Jesus can take our messed up life that we are living up on the surface, walking in sin and darkness and causing hurt and dismay and, and, and destroying not just our own lives but people's lives around us. We, we, were just a, we were just a wrecking ball, a tank walking around destroying things. But Jesus said, hey, if you get into the water, I'm going to do something new in you that cannot be done on the surface, that we cannot do with our own power and our own might and our own ability. But if you want to go into the waters of baptism, God can be begin to repurpose your life and do something new and bring some life to that old thing of torment and destruction. Only Jesus can take ashes and say, I'll give you beauty for them. 
give me beauty for ashes. No one else is going to do a, a kind of trade like that because it's one-sided. We have, we have nothing to offer him, but he says, hey, just get in the water and I'll begin to transform you. And in a few years, you won't be able to recognize who you are. You may still have the same outline or same shape, but you're going to be a different person once Jesus begins to repurpose you. And that has to begin in the waters of baptism. You see, even though it still bears the mark of a tank, it still resembles a tank, but the truth is it's once it's been sunk in the water, its past has been now covered. Because the barnacles begin to come on top of it and, and all kinds of fish life and, and things, coral begins to surround it. And so it, it may look like a tank, but it, it's got a covering now and it's repurposed and it's, it's underneath the water and, and provides a, a, a new surface and a new structure to it so that it can bring new life. And so that's what God does to us. Even though we may look like the same person on the outside, I'm here to tell we're a different person because we've been repurposed. We've been made in God's covering, his anointing, and his spirit is, a, is upon our life. And the longer it's on us, the more we begin to change and transform. A, t- a, a, a tank that is just sunk in the waters, obviously, uh, you're not going to see any transformation right away. But you come back a few years later and you're going to see it just, just beautiful uh, 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 things growing up, fish and, and, and coral and all kinds of things of life that are that are, are attached to it. That's like the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Once the, the Holy Ghost begins working inside of us, we begin to blossom and, and the fruit of God begins to show in our life. And we may have the same outline. We may look a little bit the same, but we are definitely changed and transformed and we are repurposed uh, for the purpose and cause of Christ. Amen. But we know that as as much as we have experienced such uh, transformation in our own lives, there is uh, somebody out there who wants to come and remind us of our past. Come and remind us of all of our faults and failures and all of our mistakes. And uh, Satan is uh, called the accuser of the brethren. And so he's the one who goes around and tries to bring up our past and bring up those old old rust spots and uh, those old uh, breaking, uh, broken areas in our life and tries to remind us of that. That's like Satan putting on the scuba suit. That's like Let's imagine that being Satan right there in the picture of that little crazy person there. And so he puts on the scuba suit, and he's going down to the tank, and he's pointing his finger to the tank, and he's saying, you remember what all you did? You remember all the destruction that you did, all the death that you caused, and the turmoil that you did in your life? You remember all that? Yeah, that's who you are. And as crazy as that sounds, like why... Who's going to go to the bottom of the, t- of the ocean and, and try to remind a tank what it did on the surface? That's just crazy. That's foolishness. But that's what the devil does when he comes walking around trying to remind us and bring up our past. He's trying to lift these things up out of the bottom of the sea and try to point them. That's who we are. No, we may have done that, but now we're, we're covered now. Those have been washed away by the blood of the lamb. And so his accusations should fall on deaf ears. And as, as silly as it sounds for Satan to be down there reminding the tank, and who's, why would the tank listen to him? Look, he said, look around me. Look at all this new life. Look at all, all this transformation that has taken place. Why would I listen to you? Yeah, that's who I used to be, but you can see me now. Look at all the, the, what God is doing in me. Look at all this new life and, and, and fruit that is showing up. And so we're not going to believe the devil when he comes around reminding us because we need to tell him, yes, that happened, but we're at the bottom of the sea. Remember that. That we're covered by the blood of the Lamb and covered by the waters of baptism. Uh, And so we are surrounded by a new life. Uh, New life in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, And so uh, for us to believe what the devil tells us and to allow him to to really mess up our life, that's, that's just craziness. But yet there are people that will listen to the enemy. 
They need to be reminded of how much new life is around them and what God has repurposed in their life. And so uh, because even though we may have did those things in our past, but God is doing something new in us, and we're not doing that anymore. We've turned. We're in a new environment. We're, we're not driving upon the land and, call, and shooting missiles. No, we're at the bottom of the ocean surrounded by new life, what God is trying to do inside of us, so a completely different world now. Romans 6 and 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanliness and to iniquity, unto, uh, in iniquity, even now so yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. And so even though we have made mistakes and messed up in our past uh, and done things, we're not going to deny that we're, we're, we're perfect, uh, but we, uh, we're, we're now going to be using our instruments for righteousness. We're going to be using these for the Lord. We're going to be a repurposed vessel uh, so that we can use our, our gifts, our talents, whatever we did in the world. We're going to say, God, I'm going to use them now for, the, for your kingdom. I want to bless your kingdom. Why? Because you've blessed me. And you've made such a transformation into my life that uh, I want to do things for you and live this new life for you. What can be such a, 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 a big failure on the surface? If you throw that thing in the water, it can become the biggest foundation for new life. It doesn't matter how much destruction you did in your old life. Once you're in the water, uh, yeah, that big vessel can become a, a, a huge artificial reef, and God can do something great in your life. And so it doesn't matter how big of a mistake you made. You get that in the, under the waters of baptism, and God's going to turn that and use that as an artificial reef to be a testimony of God's greatness and his power. Yeah, even though you did such bad things, let me tell you about the love of God. Let me tell the power of Jesus and the power of being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I did all those things, but now underneath the water, it begins to be a foundation for a whole new life and a whole new world. This is, this is the, the, the epitome of the lady in our story today, Mary Magdalene, who, as we read in our text, uh, the Pharisees uh, found her in the act of adultery, and they drug her to the feet of Jesus. And they said, they're quoting Moses' law and uh, saying, you know, Moses says that we should kill her, stone her, which is true. But again, as I said, Moses' law also says both of them are going to be stoned. So you can't just bring one person and try to and try to use the law against the, uh, against Jesus uh, and, and try to corn, uh, corner him. Uh, and so he knew what was going on. That's why he was uh, writing in the sand. And, and so uh, it's funny how they came uh, trying to use the law of Moses against her uh, and against him. And so what did he do? He, he, he says, if you don't, uh, he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all realize that they're not perfect. Uh, and so once they left... He says, okay, you guys were going to use the law of Moses against me and against her. Now I'm going to use the law of Moses against you. Uh, she says, where are your witnesses? Where are your accusers? And the law of Moses says you have to be uh, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Uh, and so if, if, if they want to use the law of Moses, Jesus says, I'll use the law of Moses. And he used the law to set her free while they were trying to use the law to condemn her to death. And I'm thankful that Jesus is able to set us free no matter what kind of accusation comes against us. No matter what the devil brings against Jesus, he, he can use the blood, his own precious blood against us because he can say, I don't see anything because I've forgiven them. And it's all under the blood, under the waters of baptism. And so what the enemy tries to use against you, God can take that and use that against the enemy. 
Uh, that's the power that God has because the enemy is not as great as our God. Our God is all-powerful. He's not equal with the enemy. He is, he is superior over the enemy. And so whatever the enemy is going to try to use against you, God's going to repurpose that and use it against the enemy. But that repurposing can only come uh, through his will and through his spirit and through his word. We can't, use, we can't take what the enemy is doing to us and against us and, and, and try to us turn it around ourselves. We don't have that ability and authority and power to do that. But if we give it to God, amen, he can tran- tr- uh, transform it and turn it around. And what he meant to use to accuse you, God can use it to set you free. Uh, and so uh, Mary Magdalene was there uh, being cast to the ground and, and being ready to be stoned to death, on the brink of death. Uh, and so what happens is Jesus takes this opportunity for somebody. He could have easily agreed with them and, uh, you know, by the law, but he chose to set her free by the law. And so here is this sinner woman at the lowest part of her life. Uh, on the on the brink of death, uh, there's no no hope, nowhere else to go. You're 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 stuck. You're done. There's nothing that you can do in your life. But she finds herself at the feet of Jesus. Maybe not by her own by her own will and tuition, but she was just thrown there. Sometimes we just got to get thrown to the feet of Jesus uh, and let Him handle and take over things. But here is this sinner who was caught in the act, deserving death. And the Pharisees trying to use uh, her against him. And so what happens is Jesus shows some grace and mercy and wisdom. And it so happens he tells her to go and sin no more. But this is not the end of the story for her. It's not like she's, she runs off we don't hear about her again. No, she comes back. But she comes back repurposed. She comes back transformed. She came back with a made-up mind. And she, uh, believe it or not, she is one of the most faithful followers of Jesus Christ. While all his, uh, his apostles were, were at, the, uh, at the crucifixion, while they were nowhere to be found, you know who was there? This lady was here at the cross looking for him. Why? Because she says, I was at the end of my rope. I had no more hope. The enemy came against me and was accusing me and, and trying to use things against me me but I I surrendered to you and I went and turned my life around and now here I am a a faithful servant and disciple of Jesus Christ where else am I going to go Jesus was the only one who showed gave her a chance and she said oh I'm going to take him up on that chance because we know that man doesn't wasn't giving her any more chances they were ready to stone her and kill her and so here they thought they got uh, this uh, a, a wretched sinner right in the act. God ends up turning that situation around and says, well, she's going to become one of my faithful followers. She's going to be one of my devoted disciples, and she's going to be there seeing all these miracles, signs, and wonders, and I'm going to use her mightily in my, in my kingdom, all because God repurposed her life, and now she began to, to, to do things for the Lord and, and go on and, and, and reach Uh, expand the kingdom of God. And so what the enemy uses for evil, God likes to turn that exact thing around and use it against the enemy for his good, for his purpose, and for his kingdom. And so you want to bring sinners to me, that's okay. I'll wash them and baptize them and turn around, and they'll go out of here. They'll be in the most on fire for God. They'll do the most destruction against the kingdom of darkness. The sinners make the best evangelists. Sinners make the biggest soldiers to attack the enemy. Why? Because of what happens in the water that the repurposing takes place. God likes to take what the enemy uses and turn it around. He said, I'll use that same exact thing against you. We see Pharaoh as the Egyptians were growing by strength and number and power under his, uh, under his control. And they realized uh, how, how, how mighty they were. And so they went on the 
the war front to say we got to do something about the Israelites. They're growing and, 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 and they're mightier than us. Uh, and so the plan was to throw the Hebrew boys into the Nile River. That's what the command was. They told the, the midwives, uh, toss the babies in the Nile, and there's tons of crocodiles in there. That's the way we're going we're gonna to go after the Israelites. That's the way we're going to attack them and bring them down is throw the baby boys into the Nile River uh, to, to get rid of them. Well, lo and behold, a baby Israelite boy is thrown into the river. He's got his little float on, though. He's thrown in a, a basket. And this Hebrew boy is named Moses. And his mother throws him into the river. And would you believe it, as you know, that this boy uh, ends up in Pharaoh's daughter's arms. And she ends up taking him and, uh, into his palace and, and raising him. And so isn't it amazing how what the enemy tries to do God says, okay, that's the way we're going to play. Let's throw Moses in the river as you want all the baby boys in the river. Moses goes in the river, and now Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh paid for his education. Pharaoh paid for his training, military training, and his leadership training. Pharaoh paid for all of this, and, so, and soon enough, uh, as Moses is, uh, is of, of, of right age, he begins to, he leaves Egypt and flees, and God says, that's the boy that was thrown in the river, huh? That's what Pharaoh wanted. I'm going to take him, and I'm going to turn that thing around, and I'm going to repurpose this boy that was thrown in the river, and he's going to go back. And, and Egypt's biggest nightmare ended up being a boy that was thrown in the river according to Pharaoh's commandments. And so God likes to repurpose things and say, that's what you're going to bring at me. I'm going to use that and turn things around. And, and so the one that was supposed to be killed is the very one that brings the destruction to Pharaoh himself is the one that was thrown in the river. That's what God likes to do to the enemy, turn things around and, and, and repurpose it and say, what do you think now, devil? And you would think the devil would, would learn by now after these thousands of years of fighting against man. But no, he's stubborn in his ways, and he's going to still try to do it. That's why I'm here to tell you, whatever the devil's going to use against you, God's going to turn around and use it against him. And whatever, whatever bad news that you receive, don't, don't, don't receive it. Don't let that be final. Let God get that news and turn around, and we'll use that bad news as a testimony against the power of God. Whatever diagnosis the doctor says hey God can heal that God can deliver that we're going to use that bad news and say God to the glory of God we're going to use that against the enemy and we're going to reach souls because of what the enemy is trying to do in our life the devil he he's he's not smart but he 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 learns a little bit and tries to uh get into as close as he can and so we see in the new testament where god is jesus is gathered these men and he's training them and he's teaching them and uh uh to be the future leaders of the church and and we know that uh one of them stands out from amongst them is this guy named peter who uh, he's just a, a hot shot and he, he he just speaks his mind and so uh the devil says well i'm gonna use his voice uh, against Jesus, and, and, and uh, as Jesus is talking about uh, being killed and crucified, and, and Peter says, oh, no, that's not going to happen on my watch. And then what, what does Jesus do? Jesus turns around and rebukes Peter. He says, uh, get behind me, Satan. Uh, and so Satan is trying to use Peter's voice and to speak things against the will of God. Well, lo and behold, guess what happens? If uh, if the devil's trying to use Peter, then God turns around and says, well, you're going to try to use Peter against me? Well, I'll use Peter against you. I'm going to use his voice. I'm going to give him the keys of the kingdom. And on Acts chapter 2, guess whose voice is heard throughout the, throughout the city of Jerusalem? It's Peter's voice standing up and preaching. You need to repent and get baptized in Jesus' name and fill with the Holy Ghost. So whatever the enemy is going to try to use against God, God's going to repurpose that 
that and use it against him in his own way. Another, another repurposing we, that we see is uh, when Jesus is arrested and taken to Pilate and it so happened that that was their custom, I guess, where they would, uh, he would uh, release a prisoner and, and they, he said, do you, who do you want me to release? you want me to release Jesus or do you want me to release Barabbas? Barabbas was, they say, a, a notable prisoner. He was, this was not his first time. Uh, he was a frequent, frequented the prison, a notable prison. And, and so uh, they said, well, we're going to, let's release the Barabbas so that we can make room for Jesus in the prison. So a, a sinner, is in a, he's actually described as a, a thief and a murderer. They, they released a, a murderer into uh, the populace to make room for Jesus, the innocent Lamb of God. Uh, and so uh, later on we see that, well, God's saying, well, if, you, if that's the way you guys want to play it, then I'll, I'll release some prisoners too. If we're, about, if we're talking about releasing prisoners, and so uh, we see in, in Acts chapter 12, and when Herod would have brought him forth, Peter, the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the, the door kept the prison. If you want to talk about a notable prisoner, Peter was a notable prisoner. But they also said Barabbas was a notable prisoner, and so I guess... I guess the name of the game is notable prisoners. And so God says, well, that's what we're going to do. I'll use a notable prisoner. And in verse 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, and saying, Arise up quickly. And the chains fell off from his hands. And so if Barabbas was released from prison, and that's the way we're going to play devil, well, then I'm going to release Peter from prison, and he's going to continue, and he's going to go out to keep doing my work again against the kingdom of darkness. Uh, and so what God, what, what the enemy likes to use for evil, God's going to repurpose that and use that for good for the accomplishment of his will and his kingdom be done. We see some more uh, notable prisoners. Uh, the same thing happened in Acts chapter 16 about Paul and Silas, notable prisoners. But this time, uh, they were uh, at midnight, they were praying and singing praises unto God, and prisoners heard them. And, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And so here we see more notable prisoners being released. If that's the game we're playing, uh, God likes to make a fool and a mockery of the devil. And so whatever he tries to do against you, that's not going to be the final effect. We believe God's going to do something great and turn things around and repurpose them to use them against the devil himself. And so Barabbas was a murderer released so that they can bind Jesus. And so we see another murderer who was released. But in this, in this instance, God steps in and says, well, I'm going to take this murderer and I'm going to loose him into the city. His name was, Paul, uh, was Saul of Tarsus. He didn't technically kill anybody, but the, the, when they were stoning Stephen, the, the, uh, the, the disciple of Jesus in Acts chapter 7, they were stoning, Je stoning Stephen. Guess who was holding all their coats? Saul of Tarsus. And after that, he got emboldened. He says, I'm going to go on the march, and I'm going out to, to kill some more Christians. Uh, and so a murderer's on the loose. And so if you're going to let, let Barabbas go and bind Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let uh, Saul go, and I'm going to meet him on the road to Damascus, and I'm going to transform and repurpose his life, and I'm going to set him loose into the city. And the, the chief among sinners, as he describes himself, is now repurposed, went through the waters of baptism, 
filled with the Holy Ghost, and now the, the accuser of the brethren is now the biggest, uh, the greatest apostle that the church has ever experienced. And this, this murderer goes out and he says, I'm going to start churches. I'm going to start expanding the kingdom of God because God likes to take what the enemy is using and turn that around and use it right against him and it backfires right in his, in his face. That's what God does. And so whatever you're facing today, let, let, give that to God and let him repurpose that and turn it around so that you can use that against the enemy. Use that diagnosis. Use that bad news. Use that sickness. Use that, that hard situation that's coming against you. Turn around and you, we're going to use that against the devil and say, God brought me through it. You thought that that was the end of it. You thought that, that you were going to be stoning me, but Jesus poured his grace and his mercy upon me, and now I'm turned around and I'm a, a great faithful follower of Jesus Christ because God likes to take the foolish things. Turn them around, and, 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 and because only his power and glory is manifest when that happens. And it's even better when it's used against the enemy himself. Uh, so that's the way that God does things is he repurposes uh, things and people uh, to use for his kingdom for uh, uh, against the enemy, and I'm thankful to be a part of the winning side. I'm thankful he saw something good in me. I saw nothing but shame and, and darkness and sin and destruction. I saw nothing good. There was no hope outside of the Word of God. There's no hope outside of the church, and so I'm thankful I found myself in the bottom, bottom of the waters of baptism where God can begin to do a new work in me and repurpose me in my life. Musicians, if you would come, even Jesus, while he was in the midst of it with Peter and used to transform and repurpose Saul into Paul, he himself was obviously attacked. Uh, the world, Satan, evil, came against him when he was born. Uh, Herod wanted to come and worship him too, worship the king of the Jews and the wise men, uh, knew where he was. They were led by uh, the star of God. And so what happens is they never return to the palace to let Herod know where he was. And so he begin, puts out a search crew, says, well, I'm going to find out where this was. And so he, the best that he can find was it was in Bethlehem. And so what does Herod do? Herod says, well, we're going to kill all the boys in, in Bethlehem. Those are two years and under. We're going to kill all the boys. Again, same, uh, similar as, as Pharaoh and Moses. Uh, whenever that decree goes out, there's something that is going on in the, in the spirit realm that God is working uh, and so when the enemy uh, tries to do a, a big attack like that, they're afraid for some reason uh, because they don't, they see the potential. They know that something is going to happen if we let it go. Uh, and so that's why the enemy is always trying to attack the people of God because he sees the potential in you. We just need to see it in ourselves. We need to understand who we are in God, that we are a child of the Most High God, that we have power to bind and to loose and power, the authority over all the enemy. And so... Uh, we need to understand who we are, uh, then we can be even a greater effective tool in the kingdom of God. And so uh, all the boys in Bethlehem were killed two years and under, and uh, there was a great cry out, as, as recorded in Matthew, uh, where uh, Rachel cries out for her children that, are, that were slain, and she was not comforted. And so... Uh, so all the boys under two were killed except one. One escaped. Jesus escaped. And so they finally caught up to the one that escaped. That one Bethlehem boy who was not killed, they, they got him. And, and so they, they, they beat him and they crucified him. And they were going to finish the job that should have been done uh, 30 years earlier uh, and, and kill him. And so they finally uh, caught him and crucified him. And they, they, they finally removed 
Jesus from the surface. And they said, we need to get him off the surface. We need to bury him. We don't need him around here anymore. We need to put him uh, underneath and put him. Uh, they thought it was a good idea to bury him and to send him below in the bottom. Uh, and so as much as the devil did not like Jesus on the surface, once he got beneath the surface, once he went down below, there was a repurposing that happened. Because three days later, he came out of the grave, and he came out even more powerful than he was before because he came out of the grave with the, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. While he was on the surface, he was doing stuff, but once he went beneath the surface, that's when things started to change and, and, and things were repurposed, and, and, and he came up with a resurrected body. And not only that, he didn't, Jesus didn't come out of the grave all by himself. No, he says, if you're going to send me down here, I'm going to find some captives, and we're going to come out all together. And people were, came out of the graves with Jesus rose up out of the grave. Why? Because there's something that happens once you get below the surface and you get repurposed and God can begin to do something great in your life. And so if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, not in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Those are, not, those are not names. There's only one name that suffice. That is the name of Jesus. If you haven't been done that, you need to get baptized today in Jesus' name. You need to get to the bottom of the water where God can begin to do a repurpose in your life and to, to transform uh, who you are and begin to do something new in your life. Amen. You, you stand with me today. There was an old, in the Old Testament, there was a, a prophet, a man who was able to, surprisingly enough, he was able to hear from God, and he was asked to curse the Israelites. Balaam was asked to curse the Israelites uh, because the king of Moab didn't, didn't like them and wanted them destroyed, and, and so... Uh, he goes, and if you know the story, he goes up to, to try to curse them. And whenever he opens his mouth, he just begins to speak a blessing. When the enemy is trying to curse you, God turns that around and says, I'm going to turn that curse into a blessing. Why? Because they're the people of God and the enemy. God has more power than the enemy. And what he's going to try to use against you, God can easily turn that around into a blessing. And so three times he goes up and at three times that, that, that supposed curse becomes a blessing. And, and, and it's told about in Deuteronomy 23 and 5. It says, Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam. But the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee because the Lord thy God loved thee. You see, God loves each and every one of us. And there's nothing that can separate us from his love. As Paul talks about in Romans, death or life, angels or principalities or powers, things present or things to come, height nor depth nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God. And so if God did that for Israel because he loved them, he did not want them to be cursed, he says, I'm going to take that curse and turn it to a blessing because I love you. What do you think he does for you in your life? Because he loves you. What the enemy tries to bring against you. God says, no, I love them. I've shed my blood for them. I've covered them with my name. They've been buried with me in waters of baptism. I, I filled them with my spirit. I'm not going to curse them. I'm not going to allow that curse to go through, but I'm going to repurpose that and turn that around, and I'm going to use that against you, devil, and they're going to become a, a great believer in me. They're going to be a faithful a church attender. They're going to give their life to me because you tried to kill them. You tried to take them out and I'm going to take what you meant for evil and I'm going to use it for good. But we got to know, we got to give ourselves to God. We got to make sure we are aligned with the word of God so that God can begin to repurpose us in his purpose. Romans 8:28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And so we know that all things work together for good. That is, that's a broad statement. 
And inside those words are deep valleys, are periods of darkness and pain and torment and, and, and places and times where we feel alone and we feel abandoned. But the Bible says uh, that all these things are going to work together for good. Why? Because God loves you. Why? Because God has called you. Why? Because he has a purpose and a plan for you. Let's stop listening to the enemy. Let's stop listening to the naysayers and the people that try to drag us down. No, God's trying to take us up. He's trying to repurpose your life and to do something great with us. We just got to let ourselves go, fall into the hands of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Uh, and so God's got a plan for you, and that is to do good things, to do, to do great things for him. It doesn't matter how bad you were in the world. You can get repurposed in the spirit of God and the waters of baptism, and God can take that around and, and make you uh, the, 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 the most feared man or woman of God in the enemy's camp. See, in, in the book of Acts, I can't remember the reference now. But these, these demons are dealing with somebody, and they, they say, uh, who are you? They ask him who this person is. And they say, Jesus I know. These are the demons speaking. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? You see, Paul made such an impact that the demons are now referencing. I know Jesus and I know Paul. Well, guess what? Paul was a murderer. Paul was one that was on the, uh, on the, uh, on the path to destroy the church, but God says, I'm going to repurpose that one, and he's going to be the greatest force against the kingdom of darkness. Uh, and so uh, don't, don't give up hope on God. Don't give up because you received uh, uh, some bad news. No, let God turn that around and repurpose you for his glory. Look, we're going to take our struggle, and we're going to get through it because God's not going to leave us or forsake us. We're going to take this struggle, and we're going to turn around. It's going to become a testimony how God brought me through it. And if he brought me through it, he can bring you through it. And if God healed me, he can heal you through it. And so no matter what it is the enemy's trying to use against you, today we're going to declare that we're going to repurpose that, and we're going to let God begin to do a work in us and through us so that we can bring the glory of God to this place. Amen. I want to open up these altars, those. If you're going through a hard time, if you're struggling with something, hey, don't let the enemy uh, leave you uh, and accuse you. We're going to bring that to the Lord today. Bring whatever you need to be repurposed today. Bring that pain today and let God repurpose that. Let his healing power begin to work. Come on, that hardship, that situation you're dealing with. God, I'm going to bring it to you, let you repurpose it. Come on, he's got something for you. He's got a plan and a purpose. Let's surrender ourselves to him today. God, I want what you have for me. Will you come? Let's come and get repurposed today. God, I'm going to give this to you. If you haven't been baptized today, let somebody know. We've got water. We want you to be repurposed. We want God to change and transform you. But we're not going to settle. We're not Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to be victorious. There's power here to heal and to transform. Every war he wages, he will. Come on, let's bind together. Let's let's pray with somebody. And we're gonna make it. We're gonna be here for one another. I pray for you if you pray for me. Hallelujah. We need each other in this. Hallelujah. Come on, we're gonna be victorious. Hallelujah. 
let's bind together. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Follow after you, God. See what you see in us. We're not going to listen to the enemy. Turn it for good. Come on. That's what he does. That's what God does best. Hallelujah. We're going to see a victory, aren't we? We believe that. What God's already begun, the work he's done, he's going to finish it. He's going to see it through the end. And we're going to, at the end of our life, we're going to look like somebody completely different. All the, all the coral and all the fish and all the new life around us. Even though in our past we've done a lot of bad things. That's why I believe there's great things in store for this church at Fort Myers. Because if we want to keep track, we've all done a lot of bad things. And God's going to use all of our past uh, against the enemy for revival for his kingdom. And so we are repurposed for his plan and his image and his glory. I'm thankful for the hand of God in our lives and what he wants to do. Amen. Amen. If the enemy is afraid, he's afraid for a good reason because God's got something good in store. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name. Don't forget to grab some one another.